Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What other car? It's not a gondolier. gondolier. The, gond- the, gondol- the gondolier is the man that rose. That's a gondolier. But the gondola. and a gondola is a... But it's all, isn't it also one of those things? Is it? <laughs> Well, now then, I've forgotten my introduction, so I'm going to try and remember it through the gift of mind thoughts. It's something like, here he is, his Stone Age caveman looks cannot <laughs> belie his something, blah, blah, you know, that fell in the dots there. The Pennines could not stop him. <laughs> here he is, it's... Sean Keaveney. Oh, you make him sound like a Roman legion. Welcome, yeah. Sean. Thank you. Wow. Can I That's just... what happens when you forget your notes. I couldn't agree with you more about the whole Stone Age thing. Is there's something, something about my brow? I think it's, it's extraordinarily heavy. Could we um, perhaps substitute the word Stone Age-looking bloke for rugged, good looks? That's it. I have this thing where because Keaveneys are like technically, I think if you if you look back at it properly, which I never would come from Galway essentially in that part of sort of Western Ireland and I have this argument that any dark haired people from the West of Ireland have got Spanish descent because it's something about the Armada going round to the West of Ireland and smashing that's me that's my great grandfather my great grandfather that's where he was from really in, it was in the 17th century yes. sort of when the Spanish sort of Armada, Armada. Whatever, they got they got blown into the south of Ireland and then and then obviously made friends with the locals and one thing led to another as it does as it does and um, and, and thus these beautiful children were born which yeah. were, had the half Spanish and half Irish complexions well that, and that, and that, so you you reckon you're one of those I honestly do I like to romanticise that you know if, if, I, if I ever got to that position in life where they asked me to do who do you think you are then I'd, I'd like to investigate that further you know I always used to say the Keevenies you know we're a, we're a family of warriors and they would be like well no actually we're, we're warriors there's a slight difference <laughs> yeah. can we go to it for a moment I mean there's a vague thread and it is a very vague thread in this program of of transport and journeys but of course it might be that you're an enthusiast for sort of roller skates or bicycles or motorcars, mm. whatever it is. Or it might be a, a metaphysical journey that you've had past doors and abstract rooms. But, um, Sean, are you a keen traveller? Yeah, absolutely. I think that it's an odd one, and I'm sure that people have mentioned it already on this podcast, especially over the last, you know, sort of 16 months or so since many of us have been landlocked in our postcodes. I was just saying this to you downstairs before the the tape rolled. Getting out of my postcode feels like a metaphysical and psychogeographical journey now. So to come down 
to the southeast of London feels like going to the Côte d'Azur. And it is kind of beautiful here. I'm definitely going to, I'm going to be like one of those sort of tour bus guys. I'm going to come past again on a sunny day just to take a glimpse at your stucco. We were talking earlier, you know, in a casual way, about where you live, Bob Marley and the Whalers lived yeah. up there. Neasden. Neasden, in a, in a semi-detached house. Tell everyone what okay. you said, where Peter Tosh worked. It's, in, it's an incredible thing. When Bob Marley and the Whalers first came to London, in, I think it was 72, the year of my birth, they came to Neasden, which is, if you don't know it, it's not the most, it's not Knightsbridge, we'll say that, you know. It has its charms, it's a bit rough. I don't know what it was like in 1972, but there's a parade, Neasden Parade. Would you say it had a tattered charm? It has got a tattered charm, that's a lovely way of saying it. And a great name, Neasden. Yeah. Neasden. And Bob Marley and his whalers lived in this, like you said, this dilapidated sort of Georgian house. And Peter Tosh used to work on Neasden Parade in a grocer's shop. And and that sounds to me, it so sounds very Vic and Bob to the, me, like the, we're saying. The, you're, what you're saying, and I didn't had no idea about this, is that the greatest, or some of the greatest legends of Jamaican music uh, and, and, and creators of a new form of art form were living in uh, a derelict... You should describe it as a Georgian house in in yeah. I think I've got that right, and they've still got. I the, think it got was the blue a blue plaque. Looked to me because I saw that documentary. And I thought it was like a nineteen thirties. So. Yeah, okay. That you see, you now you're going to architecturally be better at this. You'll look at a picture and think. I think you're right. It's it's, it's not even one of the Do you know what more Victorian like, ones. Like what the house that Terry and June might have lived in. Yeah, that yeah. sort of yes. thing. But really, not where you'd expect to see a whaler. And Peter Tosh working in a in a greengrocer's. Like you're saying before, just like a pound of apples and a you know. A, and if an you pop next mark. door to me, mate, Bonnie Whaler will clean your shirts for you in the laundrette. <laughs> Bob Marley and the fishmongers, you know, <laughs> instead of the whalers. But but that's it, it is. It's, it's such an unsalubrious place to expect it, and that's apparently where Concrete Jungle was written. It's not about London. It's not about New York. It's not about Trench Town. It's about Neeston. So that's amazing. But to go back to your in initial question, I do like travelling. I've not done enough of it. I, I still feel worried about that because I'm shuddering beyond the, that mid-age point. And of course, everything's shut down anyway and we can't do as much as we used to. And neither should we because I'm worried about the planet and that. I mean, I've managed to get away a bit, but a lot of the time when I've done it, I've not quite done it right. You know what I mean? Me and my mate Kev went... When we were younger, we went on an odyssey to America. And he's from Colm, so he's even more sort of northern than I am. Colm in Lancashire? Yes. So they, he's very given to drizzle. He loves this kind of weather. He, as soon as the sun comes out, he panics. So we flew out to Los Angeles, and we didn't even think to hire a car. We just walked about for four days. That's and unbelievable in Los Angeles, where everybody has a car. Yeah. There is no public transport, really, to speak of. We ended up, Jules, in on day two in a bathroom showroom. A fucking bathroom showroom <laughs> on our holidays. And that's where we were. And we were sort of walking around this colossal, just surrounded by taps and things like that. Faucets. F Sorry. I mean, what a cultural bomb to drop there. No wonder they looked at us confused. Yes. And then we, the only thing we got out of it was we, we sort of started a screenplay and it was going to be called Taps. And it was Robert De Niro and Al Pacino, our rival bathroom showroom salesman, trying to get the biggest sale in history. And, and, and that was the only thing we got out of it. We, it's not yet been made. No. 
but, but I've still got high hopes for it. Yes, I think it's a very promising idea. I mean, that's if you do go on holiday. I mean, this is my big thing about travel. I've travelled quite a bit and I've enjoyed it, but a lot of the time you might as well stay at home <laughs> because that you know you'd learn just as much. You you could have come up with your screenplay at yeah. home. But the things that if you weren't like in the future and especially now, it'll be. Um, virtual reality holidays won't it? so you'd put on a helmet yeah. and stroll around Rome yeah. or something but within that program there wouldn't be any bathroom shops for you there to go be. and look in because it'd be all the interesting stuff yeah. yes. so you'd be missing out that's the, one of the great things about walking around a new place is you can go into a bathroom shop it's so true you... and I really like that. I like going around shops that you wouldn't necessarily go in yeah, because mm. otherwise you are, like you say, you do. Of course, you're going to see the Colosseum in Rome, but what about the bathroom showrooms? Exactly. You know, it's not something people think about. We on the same trip actually, we went to the Grand Canyon, and we spent three and a half hours sitting on a on a bus waiting for it to go, because we thought it was going to go around the lip of the canyon like that, and we were on the wrong bus, and so we just sat there for. Th- it was honestly about three hours until we realised this bus isn't going anywhere and we've lost a whole afternoon of like watching the sun play on the canyon and stuff we just sat inside a bus if i may say so i don't i think what this is telling us is that we don't want to go on holiday with you because you (laughs) seem to miss all of the key features of what's going on i mean it is important i think to try and be in the right place at the right time but having said that it is nice being in the shop i go once a year we play in stoke-on-trent which i love Around the potteries and that, I'll go in oh, there. Yeah. But opposite where the hotel is, there's an enormous, what are those big DIY shops called? Uh, is like it a B&Q-y type Yes, thing. exactly, yeah. yeah. And I go in there and it's fat. Once a year, it's fat. I love it. Once a year, I buy padlocks, <laughs> measuring devices, and oh, and I would buy bigger garden stuff, but I can't yeah, fit all can't that. Fit and I get back there. to my hotel room, and it's really once a year I do it. I really like it, and it's normally at Christmas, so they're playing Christmas music. That's just your tradition, then. Yeah, I so love what it, do you yeah. do? Spread it out on the hotel bed, like oh, there's a rake I got there. Yeah, trellising. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, the I, I got a, a digital measurer, very good, <laughs> yeah. so I could tell the size of the room, and I measured did, the room. Did you use it more than once? Yes, I measured the room and I, then I measured the bathroom <laughs> and then I measured the lift, which I, which I calculated to be seven feet wide and four miles tall. Ah, and then it went in a button drawer and was yeah. never used ever again. It's a very useful thing, though, the digital measure. They are, but you've got to be, you know, maybe a builder or someone who's interested in measurements full time. Kev's going to come out badly at out of this discussion in a sense because he's my partner in crime with a lot of these things but about 21 years ago we went to New Zealand we spent a lot of time in New Zealand which was incredible we did a lot of coach travel while we were there booked a coach so because we were like pensioners even though we were in our okay. 20s but what I did notice about New Zealand then I don't know if it's still the case on the I mean there weren't that many people on the roads which was exciting in itself coming from London but they were all like sort of 70s and 80s Toyota Corollas and and Fords and like cars that you would see on the British roads in the 70s and 80s. They were still going strong in New Zealand. And somebody said that it was something to do with a lack of sodium in the wind or something. That they don't rot out there or something. But it was like a sort of uh, vintage car set wherever you went. It was like, oh, great, it's man. a bit like that in Australia as is well, it? isn't it? It's, uh, but I think more so, I I think you're right, more so in, New, in New Zealand, I think it's in their nature to be very 
careful and good husbandry and everything. They yeah. take care, so that you get that sort of Austin Allegro and you polish it every day and you just keep it in the garage keep and therefore the it, and have it regularly maintained and service and therefore it gives you a sterling a long life. Very good. <laughs> so do you, you like tour buses? Do you like uh, with the guides who would tell you about yeah. places? There was it was a bit like that. It really it, when I look back on it, it's such an antiquated thing now. As I say, we were we were we were young young thrusting men in our twenties, but we were on, we were on these coaches with the with the very elderly, and then every so often another bus would pull up the eighteen to thirties bus that used to follow us around. What and you were on the old folks? And we were on, bus. The, old I'd rather be on the old bus. folks bus. Well, that's it. Less fluid. Did you take sandwiches or any took uh, refreshments? Yeah, always took sandwiches and, and refreshments. Always a thermos. Very, you what know, would you have in it in your sandwiches? I'm a very fussy eater, so it would Who be. Isn't? I'm, be- I'm better than I used to be, but there aren't many things that I would put on a sandwich. Certainly not in the early noughties, you know. Maybe a ham and a scraping of butter, a packet of plain crisps. Completely different now. I- I've trained myself. Ham you know, and mustard? Can... Oh, yeah, why not? Why not? You see, broad-minded. Yeah, absolutely. Put so, right, well, what's, what's the least popular in your list of foods? I'll tell you what, like a Marie Rose sauce or a prawn cocktail with, with a creamy what, you don't finish like to it, despise... Mm. Um, aioli take it off my plate okay. mayonnaise I become enraged I really do so it's the creaminess of things Creamy that you don't like savoury white sauce would the, creamy would it also apply to let's say rice pudding I've never eaten rice pudding so Ooh. it's the creaminess it's dairy yeah thicker dairy that you mm. anti mint in savoury foods this, I realise this is not the point of this podcast, but you've, you've, brought, no you've brought this horse to water and I'm going to drink. Yeah, we've opened the gates of hell and we're going we're, we're gonna to confront it. <laughs> Journey in. But yeah, I mean, I don't mind mint in pins. I don't mind mint ice cream. But if you're going to put it on my salad, I will flip the table over. <laughs> what, what about in your sauce with your lamb chops for your Sunday ah, dinner? Okay, Jules, that's interesting because that you would think that I would be upset about that, but because of the sheer vinegariness of that finish, I don't mind it. So you've discussed with us your uh, bus experiences uh, with a lot of pensioners. And buses are quite a nice way to travel, but of course uh, it has less privacy than mm. a motor vehicle. Yeah. Do you drive out of interest? Oh, yes, yes. I do. I love cars, actually. But, you know, the problem with your podcast is it's crammed with exotica. You know, I heard Rita Wilson talking about her and her husband driving from Paris to Rome. And the monkey mobile. The monkey mobile. You know, uh, you you having a Buick, I can't compete with all that business. I, I did have two Alfa Romeos, one after the other, though. About 12 years ago, I had a lovely Alfa Romeo Brera. It, here's me desperately trying to sound... What is a Brera? Is that... Is a... It's a little... I don't know, it's not that small. But what but... does Brera mean I don't know. in Italian? Because no, they have well, one up. Bear. <laughs> yeah, or... Might be. Brother. Can I, I'm gonna, brother, I'm gonna... yeah. But it's brother. Yeah, it? it's a funny name for Are a you... car. The I think there is a brother, isn't it? No, no, it's a computer, isn't it? Is it? <laughs> Showing our age there. <laughs> brother, no, it's a type typewriters. <laughs> Alfa Romeo's a nice name, though, for a car. Yeah, it's, it's very romantic, isn't it? And you yeah, know, well, it's literally that, isn't it? It's um, first romance. Oh, the big, the greatest romance. Is that what he meant? Why do well, I want to look these things Alfa is top, up? isn't it? And yeah. Romeo is a lover, top lover. Top so lover. when you're driving around yeah. in an Alfa Romeo, you Says are saying... Quite brazenly written on your car, I am the top lover. Yes. 
I, I had to trade it in for a for a more roomy vehicle once the kids came, you know. My car history is relatively boring, really, but my dad's is fascinating because it, coming from that time in the 70s into the 80s were, I found out that we, we had a, a big turnover of vehicles and I thought it was just because my dad was a bit adult ADD, you know, like a bit like Tony Pitts. Like, I'll drive it around and I can sell it and get a new one. But my dad was explaining to me we had that Hillman Imp. You remember the cream one? I was like, yeah. That was the one you opened the car door into into my brother's face by accident that time. That was the one. And we only had it for about six months. And uh, that was because I had to sell it to pay the mortgage. And so he did that about three times, you know. So that, then we, we'd trade up a little bit and we'd get a Datsun 100A and we'd keep that for like maybe a year. And then that'd go. But, but you've touched on something else there, that cars can often have happy memories, you know. So a like car... we're getting smashed in the face. <laughs> Just thinking smashing, getting your brother smashed in the face with the car door, always had a happy memory of that vehicle. Um, but it might be that, you know, for instance, a car, you know, had a happy memory because you had a, you know, you snogged your first love yeah. in there or you or you sort of um, went on a particularly lovely journey. And that so that vehicle, it doesn't have to be anything spectacular. It doesn't have to be like sort of a great sort of grand Ferrari or something, but it just might be something that holds very special memories for you. That's exactly it. And every single car that we had it has that, you know, holds a certain a certain magic. Like the first, the, the Crimson Datsun 100A with the vinyl roof uh, got us from Lee Lancashire, five of us, including my uncle Martin, who's only two years older than me. It's, uh, it's a northern thing. Uh, it got us all the way down to, to Newquay in Cornwall which was against all odds, you know. I mean, you, you could put that engine on a bike and it would still be relatively underpowered, you know what I mean? Managed to get us there. And we had a lovely week there at the Sandpiper Hotel, which has now been raised to the ground. And then, it, but the problem was it was on a, the car park was right down at the bottom of a colossal slope. And of course you can see the problem. We couldn't get the bastard out. We couldn't get so, back up the hill. No. It was really humiliating for us because we waved. It's like that thing when you say goodbye to somebody and then you see them at the bus stop 10 minutes <laughs> later. We'd said this very emotional yes, goodbye tears to and everything. Yeah, yeah. 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 And then we wa they waved us off and then we had to sort of go in and say, you can give us a push up the hill. And it sort of destroyed the ambiance a yeah. little bit. I was reminded of the, the tiny Fiat 500 we had as well. And it was beautiful. If, if, if you had it now and it was from 1970 or whatever, it'd be worth a few quid. It's a beautiful thing like a sort of gorgeous little dark blue thing. But he said he, he realised that he had to trade that one in once. He had me in the front seat and I would have been about four and he was driving behind a, a lorry and it, this smell of petrol started coming from the front of the car because it was quite a, you know, the engine was on your knee basically. If he'd gone into the back of something or under something because yeah. it was so small, it would have just been a ball of flames. So that went. You know, so a lot of a lot of terrifying memories of... Uh, of, of cars of the 70s and 80s but but mostly nice ones what about romantic ones have you had a, a romantic oh yeah. oh yeah I can hear twinkling I can see the twinkling yeah, in your eyes a, a little jetain moment here a thousand violins starting to play it was something to do with a Vauxhall Cavalier Commander and uh, the car park of, of Lilford Park and we'll leave it there and we'll leave it there what about the railways are you a keen railways I do I, I mean but you know, I've, I've not had many of those Michael Portillo moments. I remember we went on holiday in the south of France about 15 years ago and it was gorgeous. We were, you know, we got one of those, you know, got the Eurostar down to Paris and then we got one of the more sort of ancient and rickety trains out towards the coast and it was just, 
It was so beautiful. And, and they had those. It's not a pendolino, is it? It's like uh, the sort of thing you might film on. It's got a corridor and it's got compartments. And, is this in France? Yeah. My, my rail journeys, apart from that, tend to be those terrifying pendolino journeys up to Wigan Northwest. You know, it's, there's nothing romantic about it. Nothing romantic about it. I remember I did the Edinburgh Festival a few times because uh, of my I do a radio program. I used to do a breakfast show on Six Music. And for about five years running, we would do the breakfast show from Edinburgh Festival and we'd have loads of comedian guests on and things. It was exciting. And then about two hours after my radio show finished, I would go across town to the venue that I was doing my live show in and I'd be doing stand-up which I stopped doing in 2017 due to public demand. <laughs> and then we, we, it was a bit like a, like a shit letterman, you know, we'd have guests on and things like that. But the BBC being not given to spending lots of money, you know, and they sent us up on this endless train journey. And it just, it was, it was odd because we, after about six hours in, people started vomiting around me. It was, it was really odd. I, I was, whether it was a bug that went right, I, amazingly, I dodged it. I apologise if you are just about to tuck into your 11s, dear listener, because I was I was sort of waiting at the that sort of uh, interstitial bit where the toilets are with the circular with the doors that open a bit yeah. like you're on opportunity knocks. Yes, and a lady just sort of walked up towards me and she she had her head in her hands and I thought that she just had some bad news, and she removed her hands and it was just sort of oh. projectile vomited up the wall next to me. No, that's the kind of story that I bring to this podcast. Yeah. It's not going out this episode, is it? I can, I can just see it. It's not, well, why would it? Why would it even? It's usually escapism, uh, this podcast. It, when I listen to it, I love hearing about people's outrageous car experiences. And I don't know, I can't remember. Was it you and Roland Rivron driving to Coco Chanel's villa or something? Yeah. Ridiculous. I mean... You need a little injection of vomit, I think, every now and again yes. to sort of bring, bring things down. down to everybody you've, else's you've, level. You know, you've brought us through vomit <laughs> stories. Kneesden. Kneesden Parade. Knees, well, it yeah. is a lovely name. Is there any other um, places with names of parts of the body? <laughs> Kneesden. Chester. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> this, is, this is a very Handsworth. Yes. Handsworth. Well, uh, if we can go to France, of course, we've got breast. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm going to do that on the radio today. That's, uh, and that's uh, of course, of uh, liver pool. Oh, oh cool. well, we're going internal we're going now. Internal. Hartley pool. I mean, <laughs> yes. can, it's, it's, yes. but I think extremities yes. is the one. You're going to get lots of filthy ones. Bra bra brain just, tree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Don't say cockfosters. No, I, was, I wasn't going to. I, so I, that's why I said you're going to get lots of filthy ones. Uh, <laughs> Arsenal. It's like penis. Oh, well, there we are. Is Arsenal a place? Yes, I think it is. Well, we can know that then. Yes. Penistin and and, and uh, cockamouth. <laughs> yes. That's oh, all I've got. Good heavens. Well, anyway. you're glad you had me on. Yes. If only for the vomit stuff. Yeah. And for the rude place names. I mean, I think it's more than paid for itself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I don't like the lighting on the new buses. I've said this before. Have you seen that? The oh. old lighting, you had a lovely yellow glow yeah. from the early lighting and everybody looked sort of attractive like they were out of a sort of a John Benjamin poem or something. Yeah. And nowadays, everybody's lit with these sort of horrible sort of grey, blue... They all look like we're in a detention centre we're on the bus. Uh, I couldn't I agree more. I, I do think that we, we've been overtaken by it, and I, I'm sure that there are great environmental reasons for using these very long-life bulbs, but you're right, the light is so unromantic, isn't it? You, it is. you should put little filters on them or something. I bought a bulb about a couple of years ago. It's a fascinating story. But it was like, a, he said it had a 20-year lifespan or something. And I thought, this this bulb could outlive me quite easily. This bulb could be sh- shooting out its photons on my dead body at the kitchen table. Yes. It could easily outlive me. They'll all be me. gathering around underneath the light of this yes. bulb that I'm looking at, looking at me having expired. <laughs> yeah, what I like is a replicant of gaslight yeah. or candlelight, which when I was a, a youth, I used to have a wee willy winky hat and nightgown and a candle no. and used to go, take it to bed and read Dickens by candlelight in bed. No, you did I not. Did. I got my mum to make it for me. A wee willy winky. Yeah, I got some striped flannelette and said I want a, a nightgown and a wee willy winky hat. <laughs> you wouldn't get away with it now. My, you know, my eldest is 13. I don't think and... I'd allow any of my kids no. to have, have a candle next to the bed whilst <laughs> reading. That. That was the wee willy winky hat and that is yeah. fine. But... Yeah. Not the candle next to the Maybe bed. not the yeah. candle. It's, the health and safety executive would have something to say about that, definitely. The, the, the naked flame. Bedspread, yeah. I do remember that I used, I used to play with candles quite a lot. Fire was something that I was intrigued by. And me and my cousin got some um, candle wax and put it all over our faces to make ourselves look like... Um, like your faces like melted. You know, just a horror face. Yeah. And then covered it in Vaseline, which had red paint in it. And startled it, and jumped out and startled a couple of old ladies outside our house, who then the, 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 nearly had a heart attack. And there was all hell was let loose in our house because these women had said, oh, "Look, we're old. We could have had a heart attack." And my dad's bollocking me and my cousin with all the wax on our faces. I'm <laughs> 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 really sorry about uh, sorry for causing all this trouble. Come <laughs> <laughs> dripping wax. <laughs> Your face is a mask of horror. <laughs> yeah. I, dr- I dressed up in 1984, I'll never forget it. We went through a period, me and, me and our owns, of trying to glean as much cash as we could from the, the neighbouring streets for penny for the guy. And I dressed up as a guy. So, and I got, uh, you know, sort of uh, some tights over my head and stuff. Was the purpose you dressed up as the guy because you looked more realistic than any guy you could have made and therefore you were going to get bigger donations? Yes. Did it worry you at any point that you thought you actually might be thrown onto the fire? <laughs> Tossed on the fire. <laughs> we're back to immolations again, aren't we? I, I was getting a bit concerned, but then I started pissing myself, you know, laughing and as the as the body went up and down, it's, it enraged people. They, they <laughs> that, their money back because they were like, "Oh, this is a, that's the best guy I've ever seen." I thought, but surely that's going the full nine yards. You know, dressing up as a guy that's even better than making one. Surely, but they didn't see it that way. 
I would have. I would have applauded that. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, I would have. Shows sure, you though. Very well, very well done. That's people myself. though, isn't it? And now, a message from our sponsors. Oi, Kojak, that syrup don't fool me. Christ almighty, not again. I should have gone to toupee or not toupee, etc. in Hither Green. <laughs> also, another branch in Lewisham above the wool shop. Now, F off, you bald... <laughs> <laughs> F off, you what, bald? C dot dot T. Oh, that's coot. <laughs> oh, I see. I've never even, I didn't even get around to telling you about the time when my dad's Citroen BX broke down and my uncle Paul turned up to fix it and he popped the bonnet and he hit it with a hammer and it started going. You see, and I just think that, that just shows you the, the technological journey we've come on even in the last 30 years. I mean, you can't, if you take your car for a service these days, you might as well take it to Elon Musk, hadn't you? But in the old days, you could hit it with a hammer. That's right. And then it would start going Anybody again. could fix it, that's yeah. right. So what people used to do with the TVs though, as well, and if they stopped working, just bang it on the top yeah. and it would generally yeah. work again. Yes, you want, yes, there's too much built-in obsolescence these days. And I was thinking the other day that it might be quite nice to have your own private Zeppelin. Is that something you've ever thought about? <laughs> well, being one of the world's biggest Led Zepp fans, I, 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 the Zeppelins are never far from my mind anyway. Yeah, this, again, an, another great mode of transport ruined by one colossal disaster, wasn't it? Well, yeah. that's right, yeah, in the old days, yeah. I think they're coming back, though. They are coming back a bit, aren't they? So the, the newfangled ones, they're a bit... They look like spaceships. There was a thing here, because we're in Greenwich here, and you used to be able to see from the top of the building here, you could just glimpse into the city of London and see St Paul's and then of course they built Canary Wharf and that oh. was the new landmark so you could it's rather blotted it out but when Jim was here with Bob Mortimer writing their first thing is in the sort of early 80s uh, or mid 80s or whatever it was I said it would be great if you could have like Christopher Wren you know he used to have a bucket that would take you up there and then they said it would be great if we had a bucket that took us from the top of St Paul's to here so they'd be winched across London and I thought yeah. that would be a really nice way to travel oh but, god yeah, that'd be, that would be because there's one over the Thames that's a I don't know what you call it a gondolier on a string oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if that's how they sell it, but yeah. Whatever you call it. The strung gondolier. The string that goes over the tent yeah. with gondoliers on it. Gond yeah, 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 yeah. Gondolas. Not a gondolier. But yeah, do you mean like the um, the cable car thing? Yeah, that's it, a cable that's car. But we've never been on that. Have you ever been on that? No, I really want to go. You've got to get on there, man. But imagine the kids that, on that did go across um, the city of London. But wait a minute, you did. You went on it? I, t I used to take the kids on it a lot. When they get to that age where you hit Sunday morning, and you think, oh God, I can't face the park anymore. We've done some drawing. What the else are we going to do? And so I did. I took them there quite a lot, and it's really beautiful. Is it frightening? It is a bit it, like when it stops. You know, every so often it stops to regulate the service. And as a man in his forties, I've had experiences. I understand there's nothing to panic about. But if you're five, you shit yourself. So when you, know, you say that, of, when you say that, was it in fact the other way around? Yes, it was the other way around. Well spotted. <laughs> And they were squeezing my hand. Don't lose it, Dad. We know you don't like enclosed spaces. Don't lose it. But cable cars, are, I, I remember going to Butlins at Filey when I was little and they had a, a cable car that took you to the beach and I could have spent all day yeah. on it. It never gets old, man. It just doesn't. It's like, those, yeah. it's like the little steam trains that you sort of sit astride yeah. and you putter along on. It's just... Well, the thing about those is I've seen a few photographs of people on those. I've got some specialist mags that have that sort of thing. And I did consider having one of those things going around my garden. 
the reason I wanted to do this is because you've never seen such happy looking people. Yeah. Happy, contented, well adjusted, yeah. everything was good, win win. I thought, well, I'd like to yeah. be that, thanks very much. The only bit that was against it was then to do it, you had to sort of get the thing steamed up sort of very early that morning and then build a track all around your garden and it was all a bit sort of... A bit high maintenance. Yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Love the smell of steam though. Mm. I mean, oh, God, do you like the smell of steam? I love it. Steam vehicle, In the world of transport, for me first, it's two-stroke. Oh, Oh. the smell of that. Yeah. And uh, and then after that, it is state. I do like going around. I like going to a country fair and sniffing the machinery. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> Just the smell of the grease. Do you sniff the feathers too? Well, they they're so obsessed with their machinery that they wouldn't even yeah, yeah. notice if you went and smelt no. their machinery and them at the same time. A steam man's hat has got a good. I've been. I've spent the day around steam machinery, and I've got friends who, who specialise in that world. But my hat at the end of it will have a beautiful yes. aroma which I think I would bottle and I would sell it to one of these grand French like Hermes or whoever they are these, yeah, these yeah, that's good yeah well uh, next time we go to the country off. fair steam man's hat I'm going to say my friend Jules suggested that I sniff your hat <laughs> I'll take a scraping from your hat to present it to Estee oh, Lauder for their, new, for their new fragrance. Yeah. You call it a chapeau. But I like. I think it's a good idea because men's aftershaves is generally a bitter and caustic affair. But I think, you know, nice rounded smell, because I know what you're talking about, a steam, a steam man's hat yeah. has got a nice rounded yeah. that'd be a nice rounded scent you know. everybody would love that. I, think, I mean there's no right thinking or right smelling person <laughs> that wouldn't get that aroma and want to be there do you know what I just remember my, my dad I used to like I used to like sniffing his flat cap and I don't know what it was it was just the scent of me dad you know whether it was his I don't think it was well I think well, our, our, fo- our follow up uh, fragrance which we're going to be doing and also they can be worn by men and ladies but the follow up fragrance is going to be dad's hat yeah which is the follow on from steam man's hat yeah I think I, we're onto something and I think maybe mum's apron mum's handbag <laughs> Well, that, yeah, like like you say, the the palm of islands. Yeah, because mm. I've talked to you. Well, yeah, yeah. palm of. I used to like sniffing my um, auntie's handbag. Mm. And, and there's there's so much evocation going on there, guys. Yes. Sometimes you see someone in the street and you won't mind having a sniff, but politeness kind of yeah. draws a veil over that, doesn't it? Everybody just smells like an estate agent these days. That's the problem. You need, you know, we need we need more chapeau, Paul on. And the yes. bottom of bottom of lady, old ladies' handbags, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's covered all our thought. We've covered quite a lot of um, areas that we've never covered before. Yeah. Train vomits. The sense of smell. Yeah. And that's especially ironic for me because I I got COVID nineteen just before Christmas. Happy Christmas. Oh, I and did basically too. lost most of my sense of smell oh. and taste, which is not yet returned. Oh, really? You didn't tell this, you're saving this bombshell for the end of the programme. Well, I think that there's an ancillary podcast which is all about the sense, uh, the scent of a woman and the sense of a man that you could also present. Oh, that's a whole new episode, isn't it? It's all there, isn't it? Mm. Well, thank you very much. Good luck with all your endeavours, and off you go, Sean Keaveney. Thank, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much, guys. Well, there goes Sean. Yes, on, uh, on a on a gond- gondola gondola. I think he's on a gondola with a with a beautiful fragrance of steam man's hat. On a flying gondola. This podcast was produced and edited by Molly Stewart. Sound engineers were James Stewart and George Latham.
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.